Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. And so they complained. They complained then and they complained now in the text. We know you. We know your mama and your daddy. How can you be doing big things if I know your mama and your daddy? How can you be going to college if I know your mama and your daddy? How can you be getting that promotion if I know your mama and your daddy? You ain't supposed to have gone that way. How can you be getting that job that you ain't supposed to get? How are you getting that house that you ain't supposed to have? How are you having this health that you ain't supposed to have? I know your mama and your daddy. You ain't supposed to be doing all these things. But I stopped by to tell you, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man all of the things that God Let every word that I speak, every thought that I think be something acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, For the brief time that I'm going to be in front of you all, I want to talk a little bit about don't we know you? Don't we know you? Uh, I was going over some of my old sermons on the Facebook page where every sermon that's been preached since January 1, 2017 is on the Faith United Methodist Church Dickinson Facebook page, just in case you ever want to watch one of them again. They're, they're on the Facebook page, just just FYI. Uh, they're also on YouTube and, and Stitcher and and uh, Google Play, and Spotify, and a bunch of other places. You can find uh, Faith UMC Dickinson has a bit of a digital footprint. Amen. I'm just saying. Uh, but those, those, one of those sermons I was looking at a while back, I talked about uh, the reticular activating system. Uh, the reticular activating system is a portion of your brain that filters out and, and disseminates information to determine what you need to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, just to put it on layman's terms, you, you ever been at a place where uh, uh, you heard the AC kick on? And then about five, ten minutes later, you don't hear the A.C. blowing anymore. You still feel cool. You're not hot, but you don't hear that A.C. blowing anymore. That's because your reticular activating system has made that determination that I don't need to pay attention to that A.C. blowing anymore. So I'm going to use the brain power for something more important. That's a good reason for a reticular activating system to be aboard. But one of the bad things about such a system is that you get a little common with things. You get a little complacent with things. And and, and the the way you're used to doing something, uh, uh, now you you resist change. And I thought about that as I was going over uh, this, this lectionary text because people are resisting change. Uh, Jesus makes one very outrageous 
claim in the passage, uh, one of many that he'll make throughout the Bible. But uh, it's outrageous to these people because they're not used to such a thing. Uh, We look at Jesus saying, I'm the way and the truth and the life and no one shall go to the Father except through me. Uh, We don't have a problem with that. But I imagine that some of the people hearing that for the first time had some trouble with it. They had a trouble with somebody being born in Bethlehem and raised in Galilee and being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His own disciples said, can anything good come from Galilee? We resist change. And so Jesus is making an outrageous claim in the passage. Last week, we uh, talked about Jesus calling the people out because he fed the the, the, uh, 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. Then he walked on water to get away from the people. And when they found him again, they claimed that they were coming to see more miracles. But Jesus called them out and said, no, you really want some more fish. Ah, and so and so he called them out on those things and then right. we move on and, and, and last week he talked about being the bread of life and, and they, he's now doubled down on this statement saying he's not only the bread of life but he is bread that has come from heaven after saying he's the bread of life he says that whoever comes to me will never be hungry whoever believes in me shall never be thirsty then he goes on to say that no one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me and that he alone the one sent by the father has seen God he says uh, whoever believes in me has eternal life and even beyond that whoever eats of the bread that has come down from heaven will not die but live forever that is not something these people would have been used to hearing Uh, but watch the text Jesus does not say any of this stuff with any uh, hesitation or mental reservation or any equivocation, any qualifying statement. He says, I am the bread of life. Not I might be, not I can be, not I should be, not I will be. He says, I am the bread of life. He makes an unequivocal, unqualified declaration about his life and the life to come. And certainly, even if only one of Jesus' claims is true, who would refuse to become a resolute follower of Jesus? To have the assurance of never being hungry in a substance, in a agrarian economy. Everything during that time was based on farm. That's why they talked about seeds and harvest and, and, and reaping and sowing. Who would not want to never be hungry again? And in a land of be able to have to face one's own death. And not only their own death, but the death of their friends and families. Who wouldn't want to live forever? Those are some outrageous claims, but if just one of them is true, you would think that these church folk would want to follow. Church folk. Ah, but the, 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 the standard church folk response is not that of, ooh, that sounds great. Let me get my stuff together and start following you. Ooh, let me hear more about this bread that'll keep me from getting hungry and this water that'll keep me from getting thirsty. That's what we would think the church folk would say in response to something like that. But instead, there was criticism. Let the church say criticism. Criticism. Uh, Not everyone believes what Jesus says. Some people listening to him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee are very skeptical. Uh, much as what we hear about the, uh, the, 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 there was a myth that went around about Chinese peaches of immortality. And so they kind of treated it like that. 
the, the church folk are critical and they start to complain. They complain about Jesus because they said, I am the bread that he said, rather, I am the bread that came down from heaven and they know his mama and his daddy. Uh, they know that he's the son of Joseph and Mary, a couple of regular Galileans that they know personally. He's in his own town. He's around people that kind of grew up around him. He's around people that know his mama and his daddy and his mama and his daddy's people. Amen. And, and there are a couple of people that they know that they are the parents and they wonder how on earth, when I know your mama and your daddy, you can say that you came down from heaven. All right. Uh, so they complain. Uh, that's a good question to ask. And I imagine, you know, if you were dealing with a little 10-year-old girl, we'll call her Peaches. Uh, Peaches, if Peaches at 10 years old said that she had come down from heaven, you would probably assume that baby, bless her heart, has an overactive imagination. <laughs> This must be some video she was watching on YouTube or something. This must be some dial she's got or some claim or some action figure that she's quoting talking about she came down from heaven. But now if Peaches was 30 years old and, and, and said that and said I had come down from heaven, you might recommend her go see a mental health professional. You might even say, baby, your name ain't Peaches. You are Bananas. <laughs> But these people in response started to complain. Yeah. They were complaining about bread. And I'm reminded of some other people that complain about bread. Uh, in your leisure time, in your leisure time, when you study outside of Sunday, right. in your leisure time, when you're right. reading the Bible, in your leisure time, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, right. in your leisure time, when you read the Bible, I, I recommend you go around Exodus, around about the 16th chapter, because they had some people who had just got freed from bondage. They had just got freed from slavery. They were uh, 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 emancipated from these people, and, and they are being fed by manna from heaven. That manna in Hebrew means what is that? And they got just enough for a day. And then when they got to Saturday, before the Sabbath rather, when they got to, not Saturday, but before the Sabbath, they got two days worth of bread. But if they tried to hold on to the manna any longer than that one day, it would mold. And you don't want to hold on to anything too long that it becomes moldy. When you hold on to stuff too long, it's no longer good for you. But these people came and complained. And they complained about the bread that they were getting from heaven. And they complained to the past Moses. They complained to Moses, the pastor at that time. And, and, and these people complained so much and were so hard-hearted, not just about the bread they were being fed, but the route that Moses was taking them on. They complained so much that it took them 40 years to do a trip that could have been done in 11 days. Forty years for an 11-day trip. You don't believe me? Read Deuteronomy, the very first chapter. It'll tell you they took 40 years for a trip that could have taken days. Why? Because they did not like change. All right. Even though they had been in slavery 
this entire time when they got out of slavery and were out of bondage, they complained so much that they said, I wish I was back in slavery. And so they complained. They complained then and they complained now in the text. We know you. We know your mama and your daddy. How can you be doing big things if I know your mama and your daddy? How can you be going to college if I know your mama and your daddy? How can you be getting that promotion if I know your mama and your daddy? You ain't supposed to have gone that way. How can you be getting that job that you ain't supposed to get? How are you getting that house that you ain't supposed to have? How are you having this health that you ain't supposed to have? I know your mama and your daddy. You ain't supposed to be doing all these things. But I stopped by to tell you, eyes have not seen ears have not heard nor has it entered into the hearts of man all of the things that God has in store for you it don't matter who your mama and your daddy is it don't matter what kind of education it don't matter what neighborhood you came from when God has something for you it is for you if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all the old things have passed away They cite his human origins as if that has something to do with his divine characteristics. Yes, you know his mama and his adopted daddy. You you know the man that's raising him, uh, but he is both fully human and fully divine. And it does not matter what you think. Praise God that Jesus is still divine no matter what else happens. Just because you know my past don't mean you can predict my future. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Something else I noticed in the text. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a tendency to, to get a little anti-Semitic sometimes with some of the readings of the New Testament. And yes, the text does start off in verse 41 talking about the Jews complained. Uh, but these are not Jews who are plotting to kill him. There's plenty of times in the text where Jesus says something and it says that the people got mad at what he said and they tried to kill him. Uh, uh, These are people that don't like what he has to say, but ain't nobody trying to put a hand on him. Sometimes those people looking to derail your destiny think they have your best intentions. Sometimes the people closest to you, because they are used to seeing you a certain way, will prevent you from elevating. They mean well, but they resist in change. God has some wonderful things for you. And sometimes these people who are in your life are only in for a season. Jesus did not... Spend his entire ministry in Galilee. He's from Galilee. But if he had stayed in Galilee, all the people who knew his mama and his daddy would have tried to keep him on a certain level. We may need to get out of our own personal Galilees. These people meant well. I know his mama and his daddy. 
I don't mean no harm. I'm just trying to be realistic. I'm just trying to help you out. But what God has for you won't need nobody else's help. He is God all by himself. And so there was criticism. But the response to the criticism was correction. Let the church say correction. Correction. Uh, he said no. He is the bread of life. And yes, you may be able to pull up a history book and pull up some of these people in Exodus 16 eating this manna, but guess what all happened to them? They all asleep. We're not just talking about some bread you can buy at the grocery store. He's talking about a bread which is a play on the word of life. He's talking about something that will give them eternal life. Uh, and in verse 45, when he says it is written in the prophets that they shall be taught by God, he's paraphrasing Isaiah 54 and 13. God is doing the teaching. So what Jesus is doing at this time is ordained by God. Uh, and I, I, I find it interesting, though, uh, even though when you read the text, it, it, it says eat, 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 eat. Uh, some of those Hebrew, Greek words rather would be better translated into feed. There's a difference between eating and feeding. All right. See, when you eat, you go out and get the stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you feed, somebody else is applying it to you. Wow. Uh, when you're in the hospital and you can't eat, they don't give you an eating tube. They call it a feeding tube. Amen. Which means that the source comes from something else. So while they may, these people that know this man from Galilee are looking at the person, they ought to be looking at the source. The person may be somebody of flesh and blood that can't put two sentences together, but the source was there at the beginning when the worlds were formed. The person may have come up in a single-parent household, but the source is the almighty God, the Jehovah Jireh, the provider. The the source is the one who was and is and is to come. We ought to stop focusing on the created thing and focus on the creator. The creator is greater than the created thing. And so everything that Jesus was doing was ordained by God, Jesus is telling them to stop focusing on what's in front of you and start focusing on the eternal. Jesus is inviting us to believe in him and receive the eternal life that he is offering. I am the bread of life. He says to these Jews by the Sea of Galilee, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. The ancient Israelites ate the bread that God gave them, but that was physical bread. The kind of bread that you can see with your eyes and taste with your mouth. But in contrast, Jesus is offering the gift of himself. This living bread. This bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. He says that I am the living bread. And the second crew that Jesus offers that this is living bread and not bread at all. It's a living person. He does not want these people to get stuck on the idea of physical bread. Even though he just got finished feeding 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread, he's letting them know that I can do way more than that. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, he's saying don't get distracted. Uh, belief is key. And if you want to see the living bread, look to the provider. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, promises Jesus. I am the bread that will give the life of the world. Is my flesh. Jesus wants the people to believe in him and take him into ourselves. Much as we would eat a piece of bread, digest it and incorporate it into our bodies. Uh, Jesus invites us to take him in and digest it and let it incorporate into your body. Take it everywhere you go. Take it on your job. Take it when you talk with the kids. Take it when you're at work. Take it when you're at home. Take it when you're at school. Everywhere you go, you ought to be taking some of that Jesus with you. Uh, And so this daily bread that he's given us is life-giving. Jesus called himself something ordinary, common, accessible. Bread was everywhere. Even when they are trying to starve people, they at least give them bread and water. Uh, those, those, the bread is everywhere during this time, and it's nourishable. He didn't say, I am the filet mignon of life. <laughs> Amen. He said something that everybody can get. Everybody can get Jesus. Everybody can get Jesus. Everybody can get Jesus. He went to the cross for everybody. Even some of those people you don't like. Even some of those people you think don't deserve it. I would be willing to bet they think you don't deserve it either. But he went to the cross for everybody. We don't have a heaven or a hell to put nobody else in. That is for God to decide. He lays it out clearly. But Jesus went to the cross for everybody. And so not only is this bread presence life giving, this bread presence is intimate. Our culture loves to be casual informal, hands-on. And that's part of the reason why fast food restaurants are so popular. Uh, They encourage us to come as we are. I say they encourage us to come as we are. I say they encourage us to come as we are. Now, I'm all for standards. By all means, I am for standards. But us church folk are some of the hardest people you will ever meet. I love to put on a good suit, but I also love to wear some t-shirts and jeans. And if somebody who's looking for Jesus comes in and they don't dress the way we think they should dress, or they don't talk the way we think they should talk, or they didn't drive the right car, Jesus still died and rose again for them just like he died and rose again for you. There's got to be a reason why over 4.6 million people in an area with 5 million people don't go to church. Maybe it's the people on the inside they don't want nothing to do with. 
So we ought to have the intimacy. And daily bread is like that. You can't eat bread from far away. And not only that, but the daily bread presence is mysterious. The, the power that can offer us eternal life and put us in touch with God the creator is beyond our finite comprehension. I, I say it all the time. I spend this time, probably too much time, arguing with atheists. And they always have this argument that if God exists, why didn't God do X, Y, Z, or A, B, C of what I wanted? But if God did everything that I wanted, if I could control God by the very definition, that would not be God. There is a bit of a mystery to it. Uh, There's a mountaintop as well as a tabletop quality to the divine presence. But perhaps the greatest mystery surrounding this daily bread presence that we receive from Jesus is the element of grace. The fact that we are at the table in the first place. That's the biggest mystery to me. Because when I look back over my life, I I can't speak for nobody else, but when I look back over my life, I know I don't deserve what God has given me, this access to eternal life. There's nothing I could do to work off the debt that has been paid. It covered me before I even knew it, before you was in the mother's womb, I formed you. It covers me when I made the decision to accept Christ. It covers me day to day. The biggest mystery is why would somebody take this for people who don't deserve it? Why would somebody step out of glory and come down over 42 generations and live a life that nobody else could live? Why would somebody do that for somebody who doesn't deserve it? Why would somebody go to jail on charges for crimes they didn't commit for somebody else who didn't deserve it? Why would somebody get beat with a cat of nine tails over and over again with clay and glass? Tied up in the tails to whip them for somebody who didn't deserve it. Why would somebody carry a 300-pound cross all the way to Calvary for somebody who didn't deserve it? That's a mystery to me. Why would somebody let these people put nails in his hands and pierce him in the side and put a crown of thorns on his head for somebody who didn't deserve it? Why would somebody do that and die for people who didn't deserve it? But why? Early on the third day, when he get up with all power in his hands for somebody who didn't deserve it, he didn't have to do it, but he did. And I'm so glad he did. And he's coming back again. Will you be ready? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.